Hello, everyone. It's Daz, um, and I have the pleasure of being joined by old friend Andy Flat, who has, well, he has the wonderful role of, of looking after the Brora distillery these days. And we're going to be talking about Andy, and we have talked about with Mitch, is, is the revival of some of these distilleries that, that were lost and they were destined to be lost forever. Um, but a few of these distilleries have been revived recently, and, and none perhaps more famous than the Brora distillery. I think that's fair to say, is it not? <laughs> I think, yeah, very fair to say. I mean, it's yeah. always exciting um, to see, you know, distilleries come back. But I think in general terms, you know, the, the revival, the restoration of Brora, it, it's one of the biggest things to happen in whiskey for as long as I can remember. Yeah. You know, if, if not the biggest thing, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 no, it's a massive, a massive project. And, and it's something that people are so passionate and emotional uh, about as well are these kind of old distilleries that are that are coming back to life. I guess, I mean, what what is it that your role is there? Then a lot of people would think that would be an amazing opportunity to to work in that part of the world at a distillery with with such a name. But how did you like? What what are you doing there? And and tell us a little bit about kind of how you ended up there. To be fair, they wouldn't be far wrong. I, th I think genuinely, it's the best job in the world. Yeah. Um, it's so technically speaking, my, my my job title is brand home host. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I essentially just host, look after the tours, make sure they run well, organize everything for clients and guests coming up. Yeah. So just, I mean, I look after the brand home in the background as well, you know, yeah. kind of admin and paperwork and the less kind of glamorous side. But in, in general terms, I'm kind of like, I'm the guy that's going to shake your hand at the front gate and show you around and give you the chat and yeah. let you taste the drums and lead you through, you know, the history and all these things. So, yeah, but it's not a difficult job in its own way mm. because everybody who comes there already loves Brora. It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not a hard sell to get someone to be excited about coming to Brora because yeah. they already yeah. are, you know? And, and it was something we talked about earlier about, you know, people that are coming there that feel they've got a connection with it. There's people who've never, ever been there who will maybe wander through the courtyard and they'll just touch the side of the still house or maybe put their hand on the still and just touch it and they have this connection with the place yeah yeah but they've never ever been there it's this you know this kind of ethereal thing and it, it's just wonderful and it, it took me a wee while to get used to you know how someone could be so i mean i've seen people with like you know, like misting up walking through the gates and stuff because yeah. they're just overjoyed to be there and it's it's just a pleasure to see that you know it really is that no, it is, it is definitely. I mean, there's, we're going to cover off a lot of talking points uh, tonight, but before we do, um, we need to get a dram in our glass. Uh, I, I unfortunately, um, I don't have any Brora in my house. Uh, you know, I'm actually not that embarrassed to admit that. That's fine. I think that's a reasonable, normal thing to say. Uh, but I do have a distillery that's very close by. I've got a lovely Klein Leash 14-year-old here, which I'm a massive fan of, um, which, is, which is, it is linked to Brora in some ways, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think generally, I mean, Kleinleash 14 is one of my, you know, if you're going to stock a bar with only three or four bottles, then Kleinleash 14 would be that kind of, that one, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 for me, it has the historical link to Broda, but it also has the, the, that link for me that it, it's just a dram that I I really, really enjoy. Yeah. You know? So it's, that's an excellent choice. I, I suspect that's not in your glass tonight. Uh, no, not tonight. So I'm, luckily I do have some Broda kicking around. <laughs> so what I'm drinking tonight, this is a 39-year-old single cask Brora. Wow. So this is from our distillery exclusive collection, release number one. Wow, okay. Yeah, so th this is uh, available only from the distillery. 
So this is this is this is from Brora before it shut. Um, this whiskey. So what what's it? What's the style like? What what kind of character have you got in that one? Oh, this, you, so the, the thing is about Brora is we've always had this main distillery character. Mm. You know, this kind of like waxy, fruity kind of character. But it's kind of there's been these kind of two points in time when they've gone into kind of outlier territory. So you'll have this kind of like heavily peated period yeah. through the late sixties and the seventies. And that's the that's the brewer I've tasted. The brewers I've tasted in the past typically had been heavily peated. Yeah, yeah. The, the special releases and so on. You yeah. know, a lot of these, you know, the heavily peated either. So, there, but there's these a few years on either side where we've done this kind of well, what we'd call mainland peating or lightly peated, yeah. as was yeah. the style in those days. You know, and this, this eighty-two broth kind of falls in that category because it returned to um, mildly peated production in the summer of uh, nineteen eighty-one. So after that, then anything after that, August, it's going to be then unpeated or mildly peated as we call it. So this comes from that era. And it's actually called Hidden Beneath for the very reason that you've spoken about there. It's what's underneath that smoke, mm. you know, it, that smokes that character that's associated with Brora. But we also have this other period when we go into this really kind of earthy, robust styles as well. So for to turn nail down distillery character is quite different because there are these kind of three facets of the flavor profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but of and course, is that so, is that is that where the kind of story of the triptych came from? Was it was it these three elements? I guess that that Brora had. I guess it evolved over time, right? I guess that's what it was about. Yeah, it, 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 it's a one-off release, and it's it, it, it's. It, I think at a time when whiskey marketing, they can have, you know they have stories for everything. Yeah. This isn't some sort of disingenuous stuff that we put together. This is like the, the three facets of Brora. It's the history of Brora in liquid form in yeah. three different chapters. Yeah. You know, yeah. These, and each one's been specifically designed to showcase these to their to, to their brightest point, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fantastic liquid to kind of be involved with, you know. Now, before we get into the, you know, how it was reopening the distillery and, and all that kind of stuff, when you and I met, um, you were you were running a blog, uh, the amateur mm-hmm. drama. And and you were very active in the whiskey community, and I'd bump into you at uh, launch events because I was I was on the brand side, on the distillery mm-hmm. side, and uh, you were writing a lot and and sharing your thoughts uh, through your blog, but also uh, a lot of uh, written titles and stuff like that as well. You 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 wrote some newspaper columns and things like that too. So, I mean, how how did you like how did you make that transition from from being the the amateur drummer into Mister Brora? <laughs> You know what? Like all the best stories, it just sort of happened. Aye. You know? um, I mean, I wasn't involved in the whiskey industry um, when I was kind of, you know, writing. I was kind of moonlighting, as it were. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, I spent 14 years working for the police. So it was just this kind of nice escape to go and pretend to be a whiskey writer and get yeah, invited yeah. to distilleries. And, but of course, that just, I don't know, it's like it just led me further and further down the rabbit hole. And where did like that passion the, come from? Just sort of earlier on, then was that was that something you just fell into? Did you, you, know, you meet someone that shared a dram with you, and you thought, "Wow, this is a new world I don't know about." You know, both of those things. So mm. it's kind of you know, it's it's a sad story to start with, but it's got a happy ending. So right. bear with me for the good that's part. A, yeah, we're going on an emotional roller coaster, bro. Yeah, yeah. So this, <laughs> this is like my origin story. You know, yeah, this is yeah. you know, how, the whiskey origin story, how it all began. So. Uh, my, my father passed away in uh, a good few years now, 2011, and at the point uh, we were in hospital uh, with him, and someone had smuggled in a bottle of whiskey for him. Now, for many, many years, I'd always known he was a whiskey drinker, 
mm. you know. But it, it wasn't so much the drink, it was depreciation of it, you know. He was an English guy living in Scotland, so he kind of absorbed Scottish culture, you know, yeah. and part of that was whiskey. So he wanted to do more. And there's always a few bottles in the house, and he was always so keen to try and get me into it. But I, I, just, I just couldn't. I just found yeah. it. I just didn't enjoy the taste. And I mean, that's a key thing. You know, if you drink something, do you like it? Yes. In which case, drink more of it. Yeah. 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 So he was always trying me with something like, oh, we'll try this one. You might like a peated one or we'll try this one. And I just, if, if I only tried it, it just never really clicked for me, you know. But there was one night we were in the hospital and it, it, time was short, should we say. Um, and this bottle that had been smuggled in, we were, you know, um, myself and my father, we were drinking it from these like little plastic cups, you know. And it's the first you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that at Brora these days, I suspect. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had whiskey from plastic cups. Yeah. But I, you know what? There's, the, there's the appropriate glassware for every occasion, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were just kind of having this drama, it had been poured, and I was like, ah, oh, geez, you know, I, I really don't like whiskey. But I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, it was this weird thing without getting too deep. I mean, obviously, this is a very highbrow podcast, so I can talk about philosophy, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's this kind of like, I don't know, it's like this kind of, they call it Cartesian dualism. Okay. So it's this kind of idea that there's like a, a physical body and then there's this intangible kind of thing, almost like there's the physical body and the soul. Yeah, there's this, this ethereal thing aside from the physical thing. And there was this moment when I, I drank the whiskey and I'd enjoyed it. And it was that's when I realized whiskey wasn't just a liquid. It's not just this physical product. It's the story. It's the emotion. It's it's sharing it. And there was this moment. I, I, I it's burned in my brain when I drank the whiskey and smiled, and Dad smiled back. And it was at a point that he knew he'd got me. He'd found yeah. one. I'd I'd enjoyed one, you know. And that for me is when whiskey became like, wow, this is something beyond. A beverage it's not just there's an ethereal thing that you can't put your fingers you can't yeah. touch you can't describe it's just there yeah and then it just kind of got a bit out of control after that you know yeah. just the <laughs> thirst for, you know just the kind of thirst for knowledge and I bumped into some guys at a whiskey festival those guys from edinburgh whiskey block i don't know i'm assuming you're, you've probably met all of the guys uh, nice nice yeah guys. yeah of course yeah chris and and I'd kind of bumped at the whiskey festival and like all good ideas when you've had a few drums I was like yeah I'll do one of these I'll write one of these blog things because it just seemed like a nice way to kind of be able to chat to people about whiskey find out about it and kind of push myself you know yeah. to know more you know because you, you can't write anything unless you know at least a little bit about it but you can approach it from the amateur perspective totally. which is hence the name you know yeah. it was just this here are my thoughts at this stage of my whiskey, my, the whiskey journey. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but no, 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 no. Let's go on one, you know. Yeah, no, no. I loved it. I mean, and we met at that time, and we we share a passion for sherry. Oh, um, you're a you're you a big that. fan of sherry. <laughs> it's your fault that my little cupboard has very, very many different types of sherry. In it. I don't think it's my fault. I, I can't take responsibility. For that. But to be fair, <laughs> you opened the door, and I oh, well, it. well, yeah. However, yeah. we'll settle on that. You know? Yeah, and, and we we also and Mitch is the same actually. Um, we we share a a, a small passion, le- much less much less so than than the whiskey side, as I would say. But we enjoy a cigar every now and then as well. But you know, and I think it's about flavour. And sherry's got that in abundance. Whiskey's got that in abundance. And it's the it's these little emotional connections that 
enhance all of those experiences at the same time, right? I mean, if you have a cigar with someone, it's a special moment to celebrate. Likewise with whiskey, and um, you know, we had we had sherry's up in up in Inverness. I remember when was that? It must have been about five years ago now or so. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, I remember that because we did that. For, yeah, because yeah, you were working for White Mackay at the time. That's right. Yeah, and it was a. Yeah, the kind of there was the, the Dalmore ones were there, and then the sherries that were that come from the same bidet, and it was just that kind of interconnectedness. Yeah, but it was just for me when I tried a sherry next to a drum, and even though it was like a big, rich, unctuous, full-bodied drum, the sherry just like just outgunned it completely. Yeah, just with its, yeah, you know, yeah. mouth coating, and it was like, wow, this is like something entirely new. So it just, yeah, that was another rabbit hole that I kind of fell down. Yeah, you know? it's a bit cheaper though. It's a bit cheaper sherry. It was. That night when I got home from your tasting, I went online and was looking to buy sherries and I bought a couple of the ones that we tried that day. Yeah. And I was like, really, is that a misprint? How can a 30-year-old sherry be that cheap? I know. So I bought two of them just in case it was some kind of misprint on our website, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, fantastic. And I think, yeah, me and you were maybe similar in that way. We like to pick things apart flavor-wise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's also about having the time. It's like you, 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 there's a difference between reading a newspaper and reading the news on your phone. It's yeah, about having yeah. tight, both the same information, but it's absorbed differently. Yeah, if you have yeah. the time to sit and read a newspaper against the, the rush thing on the phone. And it's like that for me with a lot of like these sort of you know, consumer products and the fact that you can take your time with a cigar and enjoy it. And it's having the time to do it, not necessarily yeah, yeah. doing it itself. And it's the same with sherries and whiskeys and coffees. And it's just the analytical course, you know. I, I can't remember the last time I tried something and didn't kind of analyze it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess as, as a as a blogger as you were, um, that that became something you honed in on and actually became very skilled at. And and it's something obviously that's probably I, I'd imagine as as doing the role you're doing now, something that stood you in good stead actually for you know when you're with clients, they're enjoying very rare, very special single malt whiskies you you appreciate probably more than anybody the fact that you don't want to rush this you you need to sit down you need to take the time and be present with what's in front of you because it's very special right and that's that's something that doesn't always happen at distilleries and i've worked at distilleries that have thousands of visitors that come through every day and not that we're pushing them through to speed them up but the reality is there's a tour right behind them (laughs) You know, <laughs> and they've got to, they need to get out there, get out the still house, get out the tasting room, you know, get onto the shop and get out the distillery. So I mean, you guys are creating something very different at Brora and, and it feels like that's a, it feels like that's a nice environment for you personally because of, you know, your interests. Yeah. I mean, I think what we've kind of concentrated on and, and what they kind of, the whole, what we strive towards is just making people feel welcome. You know, it's the home of Brora. It's the, the brand home. You know, so you're coming into our home, please feel relaxed and welcomed. You know, like I don't wear a tie. It's just that nice, relaxed, chilled out. Mm. You know, people come in and make them feel welcome. But, but the beautiful thing there is that I can, people tell me what they want to see and do there. You yeah. know, the, the, the tour has a flow that when it's got a start time and end time. But I kind of, I can shorten it. I can play with it. We can do different things. So I kind of judge what people really, really want to see and what they want to do and then at that point, in the first five, 10 minutes of meeting someone, sitting, having a coffee with them, mm. chatting about what they're looking forward to the most, that's when I plan the tour. Yeah. You know? So it's for, the, for the guys listening that are, that are going to make their way up to the, the North Highlands, what is available at Brora for, you know, the whiskey enthusiast, the whiskey collector? What what can they do at Brora? Okay, so the, our, you know, our experiences are different in the fact that, you know, we don't have them every day. 
you know? Yeah. So maybe some months in the quieter, you know, quieter months of the year, we'll maybe have four or five in the whole month. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe in the summer it might be sort of five or six, you know. So what we're offering is small groups and we're offering people the chance to come in to the blind home to I mean, we're not talking about the 45 minute tour here. Yeah. Okay. The experiences there are we've got one that lasts around three and a half to four hours, one that lasts around five and a half hours. So you're there all day, you know. Right, okay. But what, what that allows us to do is give a deep dive into everything, into Brora's history, its relationship with Brora the village, its industrial heritage, mm-hmm. the, the restoration itself, how it was then, how it is now, what we've done to achieve that. You know, you, you go into the distillery and the whole point is you can interact with production, you know. So if you're there at the right time, you can make the spirit cup, yeah. you know. You can, you know, attemperate the water in the mash tun. You can start the mash tun. You can uh, do sort of like gravity checks, the washbacks. You're encouraged to get involved with these things. You're crafting the spirit as you're there yeah. to get you know, really into it, you know. So it's just the fact that we can do something like that to bring people in, really get them involved, you know. Because one thing Rora attracts is, I mean, whiskey geeks, I say the term whiskey geeks is like a, it's like a, a term of endearment for me because I am one of myself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, again, people who come there love Brora. You know, everyone's pretty much on the bit, you know, they're well aware, but they're very well informed as well. Yeah. You know? So it's a long way to go without knowing where you're going. It's definitely a destination. That's yeah. the thing, you know. Yeah. So nobody, nobody's driving past and pops in, you know. I mean, no. to be fair, tours don't work like that. We know we like to book them in advance because we have, we have a, we're lucky. We have got a great food and beverage partner, so you know, lunch is part of the day as well. So we yeah. have a fantastic lunch, local produce, and so on. So everything's just tailored to make it as bespoke as we can, and just have that lovely, relaxed feeling of just taking our time, you know. Mm. No, it's brilliant. No, it's great. It's great actually to hear just how it is being brought back to life. And you talked a little bit about there about how it was in the past and, and how it is now. Just kind of roughly, what kind of changes have been made at the distillery to to sort of bring it back in to production? You know, there must have been some compromises or some changes that they went right out of the three styles that were made in the past. We're going to pick one and we're going to go for that moving forward. You know, how, what what kind of what's changed and what's not. So first thing really is not a lot has changed. Right. You know? So kind of working. That was back, easy. That, that's <laughs> yeah. a question answer. That's, that's it. Done. Yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we were lucky enough. We still had the original stills, you know, because the, the yeah. still house yeah. itself was in such a state of disrepair, it was impractical to take the stills out. But when, when you have the original stills, I mean, that's like the beating heart of the distillery, isn't it? You know? Yeah. But yeah. because you know the stills and you see them and you see the, you know, the, the volumes and so on, you can then reverse engineer the whole process to go right we need you know a, a wash charger this size we need so many washbacks to have to do so many mashes per week and we need a mash done this big but every piece of equipment we have in there is based on what was there before yeah like um our mash tun is an exact replica of the rake and toy mash tun that abercrombie's installed in the early 1970s right okay you know so everything is the the product the fermentation times the, the the temperatures of the water and the washbacks, the volumes, that's all taken from Marshman's records from like the 1960s and 70s. Oh, okay. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing I would suggest that has changed is like energy efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. So we use less cooling water, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're more water efficient. You know, the, the whole point is we're not trying to make as much broader as we can as quick as we can. 
Yeah. You know, we're making it how they did back then. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's as close as possible as to we can get it. But there's that kind of energy efficiency thing that goes on on top too. Yeah, yeah. There's a sustainability angle, and 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 you know, bringing it, bringing an old distillery into modern times is always going to be a big challenge. And every distillery's fit well. Every old distillery is facing that as we speak, right? And um, how do you make a two hundred year old building more? sustainable you know it's very difficult when it's been rewired a hundred times it's been replumbed a hundred times you know you've kind of got to go back and undo two centuries worth of uh, technology and, and hard work but the great thing i suppose that you have at, at brora is that it, it wasn't operating for a long time what what year was it it shut was it 83 83 it shut yeah yeah so it was kind of around that time that port ellen and there was quite a few distilleries that sort of went into sort of silent yeah. modes I, I at, that think point. at that point. From Scottish malt distillers, SMD, there was that year there was eleven distilleries yeah. closed, and then two grain distilleries as well. But yeah. there's a whole raft. I mean, the, one of my uh, favourite books for flicking through is Scotch Mist. Yeah, it's a great book. I love that I book. Yeah. Watch. If you if you went round and circled all the distilleries that closed in 1983, it's probably about 70% of all the distilleries in that book, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just that era in whiskey history, the whiskey loch, yeah. you know, the, the, the change in fashions and trends and, and drinking styles. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was just that period. Yeah. I mean, that must be quite a nice period, though, to be trying whiskies from Brora, little legacy pieces. I mean, you, what what sort of stands out as, as a whiskey that you've tried from Brora that will sort of stay on your lips forever if you like yeah but i mean there's, there's so many to pick from and there's so many different kind of there's three core styles but if you think back to like the, the broaders of the early 70s right 72 in particular right it's like this kind of golden vintage when it was this kind of like earthy robust style was just so prevalent and that became what broader was for a lot of people right. so even though we were closed for nearly 40 years people who were really really into whiskies and you, you, they were still accessible you know yeah so people would hoard these kind of these, these early 70s broaders and pretty much the reason that we are talking about broader now is because of those golden vintages those fantastic years yeah that's why that is the the, the flavor style that most people really really adore about broader yeah it's, you know? a, it's a hard one isn't it because for such a legendary distillery where, where the whiskies were very highly kind of sought after, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, Brora's people are scrambling around in the secondary market and they're, you know, they're looking to buy bottles at a high price, but they know they're probably going to go up in price and continue to do so. When people come and you've got this, it's, it's almost like a, you know, when a, a famous musician retires, right? Or, or a great player retires, Sometimes they come out and they shouldn't have and do one more gig or play one more game. And, you know, how has that gone down with the kind of Brora lover? You know, the, the, the person that, that, that bought Brora from the 70s and they've come up and seen you guys. Have they kind of fallen back in love, you know, another time with Brora almost? Has it kind of had that kind of effect? Or, or, or have a few people gone, ah, should have kept it close? <laughs> yeah. you know what? That's a really valid point, actually. And it's a yeah. great question. But what I would say is that because we've worked so hard to replicate the process exactly as it was, yeah. or as close to it as we can now, and because we've, you know, we put over a quarter of a million labour hours into the restoration work, you know, the stonework. The, you know, the, it's the stonework I've seen. I haven't been in, but I've driven past and I've come up to the kind of gates and the stonework looks remarkable. It looks beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 
beautiful. It really, yeah. really is. You know, and that's all reclaimed stuff. So we've reused the same. I mean, the, the site was listed. Yeah. You know, so that's all reclaimed. I mean, it's all local limestone from uh, there's a, I think, a quarry about, well, used to be a quarry only a couple of miles away. Yeah. So it's all local stone it was built from. So, yeah, and the people see the effort we've put in. It, it was never the intention to make something that looks, although it does look beautiful. It was never intention to make something that looks good now. It's about what's going to look good in five years, 10 years, 50 years, yeah, 100 yeah. years for like future generations. So whoever takes over from me, yeah. whoever takes over from, person who takes over from me in the chain of master distillers, it, it's more like this, we, we, we've brought it back and then we're kind of passing it on. Yeah. You know, which is this beautiful. So people see that we're not, we're not trying to make whiskey Disneyland. It's not a whiskey theme park. It's no. not the kind of, and nor is it the broader museum because it's still, you know, it's still got that historical precedence to it, but it's an operating distillery. It's a working distillery. Yeah. 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 How many people are up there working then? Just out of interest, is it uh, like what sort of size is Barora now that it's back up and running? Okie doke. So we have uh, five operators and a master distiller. Yeah. And um, myself and the brand home. That, that, that's kind of really about it. Yeah, um, has always been reasonably small in terms of production. I, I think historically it's never gone over a million liters a year. Typically, still about very boutique in terms of size. Then, yeah, yeah, and, and that's what we're looking at just now is looking at a production of no more than 800, 850,000 liters mm -hmm. a year, which makes it amongst one of the Azure's smallest distilleries as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a small distillery, definitely. I mean, it, it sounds to me just listening to you talking and about. The production side it sounds like you've got a good working relationship then with the with the distillers and the operators up there it sounds like a a nice place to be you know it's uh do they, do they get you do they give you keys for the warehouses and things like that is <laughs> you do <laughs> that's good to know good to know the next time i'm driving fast <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the back fire exit open and you can is that right <laughs> but no that's a cool thing that when we do have visitors when they come in and for the part of the tour is the master distiller joins us for the tour yeah. yeah. So, you know, she'll, Jackie's fantastic, you know. Um, so, she, you know, she'll come around with us. She'll kind of host the production part of the tour. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she'll draw in for lunch, it's conversation. So, you, you know, you're getting time with her as well. And the operators, you get to interact, talk with the operators. Yeah. They'll show you how to use the equipment. So it's very much this wonderful kind of team of people who are just, and everybody's so passionate about Brora. Brilliant. You know, it's, yeah. For me, it's yeah, genuinely the best job in the world. And these, all the operators feel the same. And they're super enthusiastic. They just, I mean, you couldn't have picked a better team for people who want to sort of show it off and get people involved. And yeah, ah, it's, it's just fantastic. No, that's good. That's a great, I mean, that's what you want. That's the atmosphere you want when you go around these distilleries. You know, you want the guys to have a have an opinion as well. You know, what whiskies do they like from the distillery? You know, I'm sure some of the guys up there will have relatives that, that worked in the distillery in the past, perhaps. And, and what was Jackie's background then? She's she's the master distiller now. Um, yeah, where did she come over from? Yeah, Talisker. She was up for a ah, okay. in a whole host of distilleries. Originally, I think from the brand home side of things as well. Yeah. So it's she's just perfect for me because she understands the kind of the brand home and the hosting side. And yeah. she's worked at Casks of Distinction as well. She's worked at Royal Loch Nagar. She's worked at Talisker. So mm -hmm. she's just the, the perfect person to have up at Brora, you know, to be sort of like public facing front of house. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just such a nice person as well and just great crack you know yeah no that that's cool it, it, it wouldn't be we, we've talked a lot about brora and it's it's really cool to hear the story and stuff but across the road <laughs> there's there's been quite a lot of work has gone on at klein leash in in recent times and 
as part of the Four Corners of Scotland. You guys have, have restored four distilleries to kind of share that story of, of the contributing malts to the Johnny Walker story and things. And, and uh, I've been down to Glen Kinchy. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I've been over, I was over in Isla last week. Um, I didn't get down to Kalila, but I've heard it's moving on now and it's, it's, it's moving at pace, which is brilliant. You've got Cardew, of course, up in Speyside, um, and you've got Klein Leash right up there in the North Highlands as well. So, I mean, that that distillery, I've seen pictures that looks incredible, the bar and things like that, and the, the wee building that sticks out, and it's obviously a whiskey I'm a massive fan of. What What's going on over there? How's things, how's things looking? Do you get over there as well for a wee coffee and a wee cocktail? Yeah, we've got a very good relationship with staff at Klein Leash, you know. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, I, I think when a lot of people arrive, they don't realise how close the distilleries are. Aye. There's genuinely, like, the width of a road in between them. <laughs> it's literally you know? across the road. Uh, yeah, I mean that seriously, yeah. You know? And there's always been that historic link between the two distilleries as well. Yeah. What? What yeah. is So what, like, what is the link? So Klein Leash is a relatively rebuilt distillery, shall we say, right? Um, but rebuilt in the 70s. Okay, so... So, right, so for the purposes of just trying to be clear, what we'll do is we'll call Brora as it is now. We'll call that Old Klein Leash, right? This is the, yeah, this is it, because I don't think a lot of people know the kind of story here, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a bit contrived, but bear with me, okay? I'll try and explain it as best yeah. as I can. So essentially, Klein Leash Distillery is founded in 1819, and that is, those are the buildings that we now call Brora, okay? Right. So over the passage of time, they then commissioned a larger distillery nearby so it uh, starts building in 67 comes online 68 yeah yeah so that's Klein Leash so they give that the name Klein Leash the idea being that they needed to kind of upscale Brora for that wonderful waxy character mm. that, we, we, that Klein Leash is famous for so we are like the kind of we were like the OG wax we, we had the waxy first yeah 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 they needed to kind of upscale this and so they, they built Klein Leash to replicate the production process to make more of it Got you it. know so then for a few months, they both work side by side, still yep. producing whiskey. And then Brora kind of goes into like a, a like, back then they still had the kind of summer silent season. So yeah. it's closed over yeah. the summer. Yeah. And at this point, there's uh, issues with production of uh, Peter's whiskeys for Johnny Walker. So I think there's issues at Kalila, there's a fire, there's a drought and so on. So they need to start making Pete whiskey somewhere else. So they try a few sites on the mainland and they find that Brora, without too much tinkering, is perfect for making an Isla style whiskey. So that's it. So it's kind of brought back into production, but f to make a peated whiskey. So you've got all those years previously mm -hmm. of making mainland peated, and then you start going to the heavy, heavy peat, yeah, for that period to kind of fill that hole in the kind of blending portfolio because yeah. there, there was a projected shortage. So that's kind of saved broader the first time, yeah. you know. So for a while, they operate at the same time. I think uh, it, it's a matter of months. And so right. they're called kind of clean leash A and B, sometimes clean leash one and two, yeah. <laughs> The confused things. <laughs> yeah. But um, so that one of the key things that when we found out is when Broader Distillery was actually called Broader Distillery renamed. Because the, the 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 question I get asked the most, other than when will New Borough be released? Mm. The second most question, the second most asked question I get, why did they give the new distillery the old distillery's name and then give a new name to the old distillery? Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't get my head around it because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But from what we found out, because when we've interviewed a lot of the old distillery workers, a lot of the old hands, we've got we, we, we brought them in, we've like videoed their interviews, we've chatted extensively. I just sit and listen to the stories. Like yeah. a, a lot of what I talk about when people come is that the stories of the of the old hands and the uh -huh. everything we used to get up to, you know. 
Um, but as best as we could figure, in reality, the people of the village of Brora always called, even though it was Climbleach at the time, they always called it the Brora Distillery or Brora Distillery. They called it, they took it in as their own. They named it after their village. After yeah. the village, after the locale, yeah, yeah. So when they were looking for a new name, it had always been locally referred to as the Brora Distillery. Right. So that's when that's come in, you know. So that was in now December 1968. It was mm -hmm. renamed as Brora Distillery. So anything pre that date is Climbleach. Anything after that date is Brora. Ah, okay. So there hopefully that makes it as clear as mud for everybody. Absolutely. You've cleared that up fab fabulously. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, we uh, we like to get a few facts out of people um, from certain distilleries and little bits and pieces that, that people might not know. Well, that, that's a great one. I mean, the, obviously the name of the distillery mm. is a brilliant one. Have you got a few facts that you could blast away uh, right. that people might not know about Brora? Okie dokie. So facts they might not know. But without spoiling the tours, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't spoil tours, and and make them quite boring so that people don't make new friends in a bar. Basically, that's 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 the drill. Ah, some pretty <laughs> dull facts. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I I think, you know what? I think being a whiskey geek myself, and these are the things that I want to know, and the questions I'd ask. Yeah. And the things that would you know I'd, I'd like to have answered. So really, when we talked earlier about the the three different styles of Brora in the past, and these three kind of things. We're going to make all three of those styles. Ah, okay. Yeah, we're not making Fabulous. one style. Yeah, we are going to have different campaigns throughout the year, making different quantities of these different styles of liquid. So our entire distillery can flex production to these three different styles. Brilliant. If you want to know how we're going to do that, you are going to have to come and visit. We'll yeah? have to come up. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That, don't explain. No, no, it'll be well over my head anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we've got a raking plow mash done. Yeah. yeah. So we, we talked a wee bit earlier about it. So again, an exact replica, pretty much to the millimeter of the the, the mash tun that was in before. So you know, obviously the distillery's closed, equipment gets sent elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we, but we've had it built using the original blueprints from the original company that built it. Brilliant. Made us another one, you know. So it's this again, you could be you could make it easier and just mm -hmm. have modern equipment. But no, we we've made the old equipment we've replicated as close as we can. And and there won't be many of those. There won't be many of those knocking about. Well, I, I think in general, rake and flow marsh tons, I think there's maybe a handful. If that, yeah, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, there can't no, be many. Yeah, there's not. But again, we're not trying to make broader better. We're not trying to modernise it. We're not trying to make it in a modern way. We're trying to make it the way it was then. Brilliant. There, nice. There'll be no point in replicating. The process you know we're not trying to yeah. pump out as quick as we can you know yeah fair enough yeah it's boring you have to pay it due reverence you can't just you know you, you can't be messing with it you know yeah uh interesting fact number three because i didn't check go. on this today because i oh, thought, all right know, okay here we go oh, he's done his research and generally there are 95 staves in wash park number one is that right is it yes. yeah i counted, counted them for you today yes i love that and mitch is going to be buzzing about that <laughs> oh, i love it i love it mate now it's brilliant to see you man and really really good to catch up and it sounds oh, like you are absolutely long. in your element uh up there at brora it sounds like a brilliant place to be and i mean to be part of something so historic as well is uh it must be something that fills you with pride as well yeah, you, you know, it's it's never lost on me the kind of the magnitude of what's happening there. Mm. You know, I I think the day that I don't take that for granted, that'll be the day I move. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I love my job. Yeah, but yeah. Let's yeah, say where you're going to move to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I mean, to be fair, his first jobs in the industry go. I'm kind of setting a reasonably high bar for myself. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, you know what? It, it's funny because it's such a big project and generally the eyes of the whiskey world have been on it. Mm. And I think some people would see that as like downward pressure. It would, you know, it, it would weigh you down because there's the weight of expectation on you. Because when people arrive, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the face of the project for that five or six hours that they're there, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, it's brilliant to hear about it, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll catch up soon for a, a drama in real life. I look forward to that very yeah, much. Maybe, maybe perchance a cheeky wee sherry as well. Ah, uh, wee sherry too. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Fast.